Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Well, welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast. We have a fantastic show. I do want to make a quick announcement tomorrow. August 26th, there's a track walk in the morning at 8.30 with none other than the guest on our show today, uh, Britt Casey Jr., and he's going to do a track walk of the North Track. There's a Miata race on the North Track this weekend, and uh, speaking of our guest, Britt Casey Jr., we had Britt on the show back in, I think it was... Oh, August 14th of 2019, I think it was back in, uh, it was number show 27 when we interviewed him and he talked about growing up at the Audubon, going from a young kart racer to a professional race car driver and juggling driving and college at the same time. And here it is, uh, show number 64. And we have Britt back on today to talk about uh, his new role as the chief instructor of driving development at the Audubon Country Club. Um, Just a fantastic opportunity. Um, My family uh, relies on Britt a lot for her for coaching and teaching and development. Um, Yeah, he's got an impressive resume as he brings all those skills to the club. I know that, uh, well, we're going to talk about, he's going to tell us everything that he can do and all the ways that he can help you as a driver, whether if you're just out there doing some laps, uh, brand new, never even driven before, you know, a racetrack on a racetrack before, or all the way to, you know, somebody like my son who wants to be a professional race car driver and how, you know, he can use all the skills you have and, and make them better and improve on all of your driving. So let's welcome Britt Casey Jr. on the Audubon Country Club podcast. What a rip. <laughs> well, let's welcome Britt Casey to the Audubon Country Club podcast. Britt, good afternoon. Hey, John, how are you? I'm I'm excellent. Thanks for joining us on the podcast once again. We had you uh, a few years ago, where we talked about your racing career and um, how you got started. Um, and I will uh, m- mention that, uh, um, as I mentioned in the intro, what number that was to go back and listen to what number show that was. That was a lot of fun having you on. I I appreciate you coming on again. But this time, uh, your roles, uh, well. You're still a race car driver, but you have an additional role at the Audubon Country Club. So um, uh, let's talk about, first of all, let's catch up uh, on, well, I guess probably since the last podcast, you graduated college, right? I did, yes. Uh, bachelor's in marketing from Miami of Ohio, uh, the Farmer School of Business out there. So yeah, class of 2020, uh, my last semester, unfortunately, got cut a little short because of uh, COVID. So that you know, that, that kind of stunk, but, uh, yeah, I did actually get, get, uh, to walk the stage a year later, uh, in May of 2021. So it was good to officially close that chapter for sure. Oh, so you did that this year. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, what was the, uh, well, I, I know this cause I hang out with you, but why did you choose that school? Uh, yeah. So this is a interesting story. So I went to Loyola, Chicago for a freshman year of college and then uh, transferred to Miami of Ohio starting sophomore year, uh, to work for Brad Kettler. Um, he was, or he is a uh, motorsport engineer 
the winningest American engineer at the 24 Hours of Le Mans uh, with six overall wins with uh, uh, Audi prototypes. And then back in the 90s, if, if you remember the Porsche GT1 car, uh, that Mobile One white car, uh, that was one of them. Um, but yeah, he's he's a very well-known engineer within the IMSA space um, and also the WEC. So with Audi and Porsche uh, and actually a, a one-off win with a Bentley in the early 2000s, um, you know, he's he's won all that. So a majority of Tom Christensen's wins at Le Mans were with uh, Brad Kettler as his uh, race engineer. Oh, nice, nice. And so... Um... Go ahead. Uh, and sorry, and just to add on to that uh, for clarification. So his shop, Kettler Motorworks, is uh, exactly five miles from Miami of Ohio. So uh, I had known Brad uh, before I worked for him, uh, just from you know being in the paddock with him. And uh, he said if I transferred to Miami, he he would give me a job for sure. So uh, at the time, all the Audi uh, factory race cars from TCR to GT3s. And then also the R8 LMP cars, they were all supported at his shop um, at the time. So I was a part of like literally 50 Audi Sport customer cars coming into the U.S. and, and prepping them and getting them ready to be brought to their teams. So um, it was really cool. And I would be there uh, after class, you know, half the week uh, because it's so close and um, got to meet a lot of really cool people that were coming into a, a college town in the middle of Ohio. So. It's uh it's a hidden gem for sure. <laughs> if you look up uh Brad Kettler on YouTube, there's actually one guy that did a pretty cool <clears throat> video documentary on his shop and uh the town that he's in and uh how how much the race cars that we work on stand out from the town uh that it's in. It's College Corner, Ohio. Uh so it's a tiny little place uh but world-class world-famous legendary race cars uh, i got to work on for three years so i uh, can't beat that for sure learned a ton wow very nice very nice and which takes me kind of next to the next step or you know our uh, our family so i know that uh after that we um we had stayed in contact and we saw each other at the christmas party i think it was a christmas party last year um, or the like en that. end of the year party or something. And, uh, my son was just, um, had a few races underneath his belt and spec Miatas and, uh, we got to talking and, um, I said, Hey, how about, uh, work with my son, Mitch on some racing stuff? And you said, yeah, that sounds good. So we were able to, um, have you come down for Sebring down in, uh, Florida for the C SCCA spec Miata race in, was that January? I think. Yes. I think it was mm -hmm. in January. We had a blast. Um, we had a blast on and off the track. So, <laughs> um, but uh, I know you've done a lot of coaching before, before that even, but that was my, our first time um, with, you know, a dedicated coach. Yes, we'd work with some, you know, the great coaches that the Audubon uh, has had in the past. And um, those interviews are also uh, on the podcast. But uh, this was the first time where we got, you know, somebody to work daily and, um, boy, my son Mitchell sure absorbed everything, uh, everything that you had to say. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. I like working with Mitch a lot. So he's, uh, he's a good guy, definitely mature for his age. And, uh, that's a big deal, you know, to have that. Yeah, there was, uh, I, I mean, from a, 
coaching, I mean, from my dad's standpoint, I guess, on a coaching standpoint, there's stuff. I mean, I, I think by the second hour I had lost, my racing knowledge was surpassed and I had no idea what you guys were talking about. So, um, (laughs) I should have probably listened and taken notes over the, over your shoulder, uh, so that I could somehow stay with him when I, uh, hopefully soon get back to uh more competitive racing not just one-offs every once in a while but uh um i guess that's time for you and i to work together in the future um but anyway we worked we worked together a couple uh a couple other times this year and, and you had done a great job with mitch helping at the club there and some of the club racing and um then we have this uh well i guess you want to lead up to the big announcement of um of your you know in charge of the driver development or how that all took place at the audubon country club Sure. Uh, so yeah, I've actually worked, uh, at Autobahn as, um, a contracted employee since 2017, uh, doing some of the school work. Um, and like you said earlier, uh, I have coached other guys in the past, um, leading up to this year. Uh, so what we're doing now at the Autobahn is, is really putting an emphasis on driver development, um, in race cars, uh, not just, you know, guests from the outside using, Autobahn is an event space, but to also enhance the drivers uh, at the club that are committed in the racing programs, um, make sure, you know, that they're getting all the value uh, that they, that they want and that they deserve. Um, you know, if they're, if they're here to race, um, they should be able to race at their max level, you know, um, and, and learn how to do that in an approachable, safe manner. Uh, and that's kind of the goal of what we've set up. So, I'm now a, a full employee of the Autobahn, um, the chief instructor of driver development. And within that role, it's mostly specialized within the racing programs at the club um, and, you know, keeping them as good as they are and as well known as they are around the country. But to also on an individual racer basis, um, enhance those skills so that the racing product itself is strong and uh, people walk away with smiles on their face because they knew that they they had they gave it their all. And uh extracted everything possible out of their cars so that's the goal and uh i think we're doing well so far yeah so the, i mean this just happened uh about a month it's august it's the middle of august now so this just happened about a month ago right correct yep yep and really this this whole year um i've been coaching guys you know one-on-one um but now it's sort of in a official role um i have a desk now so that's <laughs> that's the biggest change yeah <laughs> Um, uh, nice. So, uh, when, I mean, you're, as you go back and you're coaching, what's the, what's one of the kind of the first things that you like to do with a, a new student or a new, a new driver? Um, do you like to see their video, their data, or just talk to them? How, how do you approach uh, the beginning of it? Sure. Uh, so first thing I could do a little bit of, of reconnaissance on my own, you know, just looking at lap times, uh, from previous days and, and race results. Um, on top of that, uh, I'd like to see video initially just to see, uh, you know, where we're at in terms of what needs to be talked about more than others. Um, you know, it, it would be pretty, uh, pretty much jumping the gun if we were to get into things like brake pressure or, or, you know, very minute aspects before we understand like the racing line, um, where to break versus breaking too late, um, gear selection for different corners, uh, running the, the full RPM range before you upshift, things like that, uh, where the, the time is easy to grab. Uh, we'll start with, with those types of elements first. And then 
as we get more confident, um, safely work into the smaller details. Um, is that, I mean, how, how much, I mean, so let's say, um, Hey, I want you to work with me. Is that, so how much time do you usually spend? I mean, doing that, is that, um, do you do that during like the first meeting or you're going to, like you said, you just doing that reconnaissance before you even sit down with a person to, um, uh, to see where they are? Yeah. So typically, uh, it's either, you know, off the cuff conversation, um, where someone, one of the members, one of the racers, uh, says, you know, Hey, I'm interested in, in doing a, a half day or a, a full day or just a two hour session. Um, the way it works is it's a, a minimum of two hours spent with a driver. Um, the rate is $150 an hour. Um, obviously the more time, the more we are able to, to really break down things and, and really find time. Um, you know, the more the merrier, honestly, uh, you're never finished getting faster. Um, even on a track you've, you've driven at for 10 years, you know, there's, there's always things to find and always things that you can look at in data, um, specifically that it really shines a light on, on, uh, little details, you know, versus big picture items. Sure. So that, yeah, that, okay. So that's it. So it's $150 an hour, two hour minimum. And how far out do you, do you generally like to like the book? Do you look at, Hey, we're on the North track we're on the South track, full track, or do you just combine it all to see, uh, uh, where the driver, where you think they need improvement at? Yeah. So that, that typically is, is really up to the, the driver themselves. Um, you know, if there's a North track, com- North track race coming up, like there is right now, uh, cool. We'll, we'll do a, a North track session, which I have a couple guys booked this week for that. Um, and it, it's really up to them. You know, where do they feel like they're, they're lacking? Uh, is it full track, south track, north track, overall items? Um, it's it's driver dependent. Um, you know, I, I want to guide drivers in a way um, that makes sense for them and helps them, you know, in the best way to keep them confident. Uh, so that's really more up to them. And uh, I'll fill in where wherever they need. Um, the luxury I have is... I'm about an hour to an hour 15 away, uh, in the Northwest suburbs. And I'm, I'm at the track, uh, virtually five days a week Call it six days a week. <laughs> yeah. So you, okay. So yeah, fairly, fairly flexible and what's going on with that. Now what, um, in, in addition to that, when you're, when you sit down to work with somebody, uh, how much is driving and how much is, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, classroom work, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it, it is uh, normal sessions, normal on track sessions, and uh, between sessions we'll do a breakdown of, of video and data. If there's a data system, which I highly recommend people get, uh, it's basically free time if you use it and you use it correctly. Um, and between sessions we'll we'll go through that stuff and make an item list of one to three different things depending on how much they they want to apply right away. Um, the key is to do it slower so that you imprint the movements, the driver inputs and the, the significant changes, uh, you know, once, and then just do it from there on out. So, uh, between one or three things will change between sessions and then, uh, we'll go try it on track. Hmm. Okay. So there's a pretty good combination of going back and forth, working with, um, with a driver. Um, are you when you're what kind of goals are is it just in, I assume it's independent um you know obviously we want to go faster and we want to get 
less time on the track, which I always thought that was funny that we love race car driving or anything, but we're always trying to be the least amount of time on the track. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was at the Mitchell and I, my son Mitchell there was, we were at the Chicago auto show and they had a simulator set up there and he's, he sat and stood in line for like two hours to get a chance to run the simulator. And the whole goal in the simulator is be the the person who was in the seat the least amount of time, which. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is oh, very true. I that was, that was Especially it's, if it's an oval. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, but okay. Let's talk uh, about uh, what uh, cars do you like? The, is it any cars? Do you, do, you, do you focus on a certain type of car or one you like better than the other? Is it from a driver standpoint, I mean, from a coaching standpoint for a driver? Sure. Uh, yeah. So I, I've driven Autobahn in a, a lot of different types of stuff. Um, Miatas, obviously, where I started. Um, I do a lot of work with those guys. I have a lot of experience in the Mazda Miata, um, all four generations of them. And uh, basically, you know, I, I have a lot of the coaching guys are from that series uh, just because, you know, strength in numbers. Um, but I also do radical stuff um, and GT stuff as well. So we just had the GT seminar uh, yesterday, actually, and it went really well. Um, so my sort of experience and expertise definitely feeds more into the closed wheel, uh, touring car, GT car stuff, um, open wheel, uh, a little bit you know, different from what I'm used to, uh, just in terms of my own background, um, and also my coaching background. So, uh, you know, sure. I could, I could definitely help you out in an open wheel car, but candidly, I've never even driven one ever. So, uh, all my experience is closed wheel stuff, um, within IMSA and, uh, we don't have open wheel cars in IMSA. <laughs> yeah. IMSA is a, a race series, uh, that is, I would say that's, that's the pinnacle of sports car racing. Would that be correct? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where you've spent um, a lot of years racing. Uh, so yeah, talk a little bit about the seminar that you had yesterday, the GT seminar. Cool. Uh, yep. So it, it went really well. It was a full day. Um, I had built out some presentations to sort of discuss elements of driving uh, at a higher level than um, what is typically talked about, um, all the, all the guys that participated and girls, um, really, really walked away with some, some good stuff and they all got faster, more confident. Um, and I think I changed the mindset of some of them, uh, over some topics, you know, such as throttle, um, you know, having, having a confident single throttle input versus being in and out of the gas at the exit of the corner, um, that opened the eyes of a lot of guys and, uh, you know, I thought that was really positive for them to, to practice. And uh, I got to watch from different corners and they for sure applied what we talked about. So we'll see what the official reviews are in the, the club rumor mill. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure that m- will be more than positive. Yeah. So, oh, so that was interesting. So you did classroom work and actually went out on the track? Yes. Yep. Not me specifically. Uh, I went to go spot from different corners, uh, but we had uh, three sessions total. The first one was just a basic warm up, and then we got straight into the, the classroom stuff um, for about hour and a half and then went back on track, then came back, talked about that session, uh, talked about some further information and uh, applied it in the third afternoon session. All right. Or do you have more of these planned for this year, these seminars? So not for GT, uh, but for the SM guys, yes, we have one coming up 
um, in September, uh, which I think will be really well received also. Um, those guys are super competitive. As you know, uh, the racing is really close and whatever you can do as a driver to be faster in a, a spec car is important. Yeah. So SM being spec Miatas, which we have two, two really groups. I, technically, I think there's three groups. There's rookies, S spec Miata two, and then the spec Miata, which is the, the, uh, highest of the, or the fastest guys you might say. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, so there's a Spec Miata, uh, Spec Miata seminar coming up. That's going to be awesome. Uh, hopefully, I will be able to attend that, and uh, hopefully, my young driver Mitchell and uh, will also be able to attend it. Do you have to have a? Speaking of that, I have another driver in my house too. My 14 year old daughter. Is that something you would need a race license to participate in the that seminar? That's a that's a greater question for sure. Uh, we haven't discussed that uh, specifically having a race license versus being a driver at the club. Um, that is a good point. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I'll have to double check on that, but we expect, um, a full room of at most 12 guys. I think that's, that's plenty to get it done. Right. Um, and you know, if we just get a huge crowd, then I think the information kind of gets diluted a little bit. So it's better to be a more focused, smaller group with a, a cap at 12, uh, versus, you know, 25 guys or like the entire spec me out of series. I think that would be a little bit too much. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, how do you, do you like lead follow, um, that lead follow option when you work with somebody? I've done it, uh, a couple of times with a, a few different people, uh, a few different times actually. Uh, so yeah, that, that is helpful for sure because you can see in real time the, the line and you know, when the brake lights turn off on the car, um, I don't need to be driving crazy, crazy fast to show the right techniques. Um, and it's, it's also good to compare, uh, when I'm, you know, the second car in the lead follow, uh, where I gain or lose to the guy I'm coaching. So that is another tool that, uh, is helpful. Now, are you, I mean, some, some cars have two seats in them. Are do you, uh, are you limiting, you know, in car coaching or do you, is, is that an option or is that something you do? Yeah, so I, I really don't do too much uh, right seat stuff um, just for self-preservation purposes. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather look at data, video, or lead follow. Um, you know, I think I think it also gets more done. You know, you, and it, you know, it, the car isn't even gonna feel the same with uh, I'm like 170 pounds ish. Uh, w- you know, putting that in the right seat of the car, your car is gonna feel different. So. Uh, that's, you know, just an added negative to a, a right seat situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's interesting. Yeah. I never, I never took a, into consideration the, um, the weight, uh, in there. Yeah. I've done a few, um, right seat when my son was, and my daughter, I still go with her and sit in the right seat. I, I'm much I, funny. I'm much more comfortable. We do have a spec me out of with two seats. I, I prefer being in the car with my daughter and I prefer not being in the car with my son. So <laughs> I remember when he was a little kid and we were, uh, you know, going faster. And I said, okay, this turn, you cannot go any faster. I will not sit in the car with you. But everything else, you can go faster. That was one corner. Uh, it was the right-hander there on the north track. I do not like that corner when I'm not in control of the car. <laughs> Is it uh, turn three or six? Uh, it's turn three. Yeah, uh, it's Got a little. It. It's a. 
I went off there one time, and I do not like that corner. So, <laughs> so you can go faster everywhere else, but there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's funny. I fly, fly airplanes and teach brand new guys on commercial airplanes, and um, yeah, teaching the first landing in a giant jetliner with me and uh, passengers and everything else. I always thought it was kind of interesting that the first time. First time I landed. Yeah. First time I landed a a, a jet airliner, a uh, big giant Boeing. There was people in the back, and um, yeah, I wondered. I always wondered what if they thought, what they thought uh, if they would have known that that was my very first landing. It it all works out. It's all totally fine. Every I mean, right now today, there's many guys landing in airplanes for the first times uh, with passengers in it. But uh, um, yeah, you say there are or there are not. Oh yeah, uh, there are. Oh yeah, there's are. Oh, uh, that's, today that's there's, encouraging. Yeah, today there's tons of. <laughs> that's just how you do it. I mean, you have a competent, uh, you know, other pilot in there, instructor pilot. Uh, so yeah, it's really no big deal. But the first time I thought about it, that was interesting. First time I flew an F sixteen, I didn't even. I'd never even touched an F sixteen, and um, yeah, just wow. jumped in it and and went and flew it. So uh, and it was all fine. Wow, how much is the F sixteen? prices i mean i knew years ago how much they cost i'm sure i don't know 60 100 million dollars probably right now yeah wow (laughs) i don't know um the uh but it was i know that the uh a10 the a10 um doesn't even have they used to have a couple two-seaters but they never even made a a10 or there's no a10s now at all with two seats in them so that's the first year not only you're flying that for the first time by yourself but you're F-16s at least have two seats in them for the trainers. And then you graduate after, I don't know, four or five hours probably to go by yourself. So so a, a real F-16 is a single seat? Plane? Yeah. Yeah, they do have okay. they do have some two-seaters. But, yeah, you would never go into combat with a two-seater. They're just um, – they would have, you know, less gas, less range. $64 million, it says, is what uh, about an F-16 costs. So, but it was interesting that the A model, so there's A models were single seaters, B were two seaters, and C models were the newer one back in the day. Uh, they were uh, single seaters and the D models were two seaters. But the B model F-16 would turn tighter and faster than all the other models. So, of course, it doesn't have as much, you know, long legs because of the extra weight from the seat and the gas gas tank's not as big but it was uh it would turn very very fast and of course when you're trying to get your nose pointed in front of the other guy the faster the nose rates and uh the better so (laughs) um uh, are you familiar with uh vietnam era planes like the f4 phantom yeah i never flew it i did fly a a a37 which was a vietnam era close air support airplane so you would fly that into and then you would control the troops or control an f4 you know you would loiter around where the troops were wherever the target was and then you would call in the the f4 to come in and, and do the bombing bombing run so it's yeah. called close air support so yeah um i, yeah, I love the f4 my f4. dad's uh my dad's uncle was a f4 phantom pilot in vietnam uh i think he flew like 500 combat missions and uh he, had a, he got a distinguished flying cross too. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff in the jungle. Yeah, over the jungle. <laughs> yeah, the, the 
distinguished flying cross, the DFC. That's the real deal. I mean, that's a that's a um, that's a heck of a heck of an achievement in, in itself. I it, there's actually only one guy that I ever flew with that that had one. Um, he was mm. one of the um, F one eleven pilots that went into during the Gulf War, and he had to go in and open up a passageway for our troops and um he was the guy that made it in and was able to pull off some very young guy at the time and just right out of college um able to open up you know they called that airplane the chariot of armageddon and uh, he would awesome he, um yeah used to eject this is an airplane podcast but he used to eject um uh, a bubble so you would not actually eject a, the whole cockpit would come off and and that's how you would uh come out of the F-111. I didn't fly that one either, too, but that had seen that a few times at some Air um, Air Force bases. It was pretty cool. Quite loud, I, I must say. <laughs> I bet. Um, anyway, as we digress from airplanes back to uh, race cars, uh, you did get out and uh, and race this year, didn't you? At I did, the- yeah. Actually, I did the Miata race uh, during the Festival of Speed uh during the the summer months so yeah it was good i drove uh my kex car uh put her on pole and let every lap uh and then won but you know i had honest competition uh from ethan tyler and taro uh the whole way so it started out with taro um and then uh ethan kept coming back and just passing cars and uh we had a good race to the last lap so uh, yeah, Mike Keck's car was real good. He, he put me in, he said he wanted to figure out if it was capable of winning and, uh, <laughs> we're still on the old, old, old stuff, you know, Bill Steen shocks, but, uh, we, we made it work. So it, it was really good. Um, you know, what we had done was a fresh alignment, uh, new spark plugs and a filter air filter. So, uh, yeah, real good car. Yeah. That's, that was pretty impressive to see you, uh, get out there and that, uh, you know, a lot from, of fun from a dad standpoint, that was my son's first, uh, he was in the SM2 division. He podium for the first time along with his coach winning the race. So, uh, that was pretty That's cool. Right. That was pretty cool for me to, to see that. Um, yeah. So that, ha- when did, when was the last time that you had, had done a spec Miata race? What year was that? It was a long time ago, right? It was. Yep. Uh, Oktoberfest 2017 was the last race that I did, um, in the Miata. We won that too. Uh, and that was a good one. Um, and you know, keep, keep the winning streak going, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you know, in the meantime, I, I still get a lot of laps at the track. So, you know, I, I stay, I stay, stay on par. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, um, what, let's talk about your, um, your racing. I mean, uh, I know a lot of things you can't talk about that's all in the works, but is there anything you'd like to mention about your personal racing or, uh, um, where that's going to take you, uh, here coming up. Sure. Uh, so yeah, you know, I've, I've raced, uh, in IMSA for seven years, um, whether it was full seasons or partial seasons, um, a lot of poles, a lot of wins, top fives, podiums. Um, and, uh, I was also the first TCR champion in IMSA, um, okay, what, in oh, an yeah. Audi. What's a piece? You said PCR, uh, TCR, TCR. like, uh, tree, uh, I don't know what the call signs are for, <laughs> for letters, but Tango Charlie Romeo. There you go. TCR, right? There you go. Yep. So that uh, was the first year for TCR within the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Um, and that was in 2018. 
uh, followed that up with a, another partial season in 2019 in a TCR car. Um, still got some some wins and, and pulls out of that one. And then uh, in 2020, before the pandemic uh, started, I was uh, racing a, in the GT4 class of the Michelin Pilot Challenge, which is the faster of the two. So, um, and that was in an Audi as well. Uh, so it's been, it's been cool. Um, it's been a lot of hard work. I can tell you that doing it while being full-time in college. Um, and then, you know, trying to get back in a full, full-time seat for 2022, uh, you know, back where, back where I kind of left off before this whole thing happened. Um, but you know, it also was a priority for me to, to have a job and, uh, working at Autobahn is a perfect fit. You know, they, they want me to keep racing and I want to keep helping the members of the club and helping the club itself. So it's, uh, it's been really good so far. Well, yeah, that that's outstanding. Yeah. We're, uh, um, we enjoy hearing about your, uh, racing and, and what you're doing. And, uh, that seems to be a topic that, uh, I gravitate to as a young guy that in my family wants to someday, uh, do what you're doing. And, um, couple more questions here is one is uh, how are you on on travel races are you available for you know traveling to go to different racetracks with a driver absolutely um and that's part of the game plan as well with autobahn you know uh the track closes uh beginning of november every year and uh there's there's a uh, there's a good gap during the off season to go south and and race so um you know for guys that want to race full year and not get too rusty before the track opens again um we're opening up for a program like that right now so uh we'd like to get a, a big group of of autobahn racers to actually uh go down and, and do you know at least a couple races during during the winter months um escape the frozen tundra of chicago <laughs> yeah that's uh that's our our plan we'll um we plan on uh, Sebring Homestead, Sebring Central Florida Homestead, which is down by Miami, and then possibly Road Atlanta. I don't think that we will make it to. Uh, I think there's a race in Austin at Circuit of the Americas, Coda. I think there's a race there um, in the off, well, whatever you're going to call it, the Audubon off season. Anyway, the win- winter season. I, that's pretty far away. Uh, I don't know if we'll make it there. But, uh, I, you know, from firsthand, from being able to work with, um, work with you and seeing you work with my son, you know, I, I can't tell everybody enough that they need, they need to work with you and they need, you know, that coaching. And I've seen, we've seen massive, massive improvements, um, with Mitch racing. So, I mean, that really cuts down the learning curve of learning how to race and, like when once I once I uh, get my two kids uh, out of the house and or on their own in their racing career, both my son and daughter would love to love to do that professionally. Then maybe I'll come back to racing. I hope I'm not too old by by that time. <laughs> no, you got plenty of years left. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, and, and my wife doing the doing the chase race. So uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, sometimes when I'm running around doing both kids doing karting and soon both kids doing uh spec miata racing and then my wife and chase racing yeah it's a it's a lot from the standpoint so i'm i'm happy at times when uh uh coach Britt takes over uh my son and gets him on the track uh 
for some of those races. So that's, that's pretty helpful. So I do enjoy that. And thank you for your availability and, and help out helping out uh, Graybill racing. <laughs> that's for sure. Not a problem. That's yeah, that's part of the job description, you know, be available to help. So, um, that's what I'm all about. I'd like to see you guys go faster. And, uh, I like to see people improve overall, you know, not just lap times, but confidence, uh, in their driving and results on track. Uh, it's, it's really fun to, to see and it's fun to be a part of. Yeah. So how do you, how does someone get in touch with you to set up coaching and, uh, to find out more about, uh, working with you and your availability? So the, the best way to reach out, um, is via email, uh, at Brit Casey, B-R-I-T-T-C-A-S-E-Y at autobondcc.com. Um, and if, you know, anyone has my phone number already, which a lot of people do, um, just shoot me a text. Uh, I'm a big texter. I can do that pretty rapid fire and, uh, it, it's kind of, it helps me stay organized as well. So, um, email at brickcasey at autobondcc.com or, uh, just shoot me a text. Outstanding. So, so you're Brit Jr. Uh, is that, I, I've, I haven't asked you this. this. is something I don't know about you. So is that a family name or where, how, how does, um, uh, or is that just, yeah. Tell me the history of that name. Sure. Uh, so it's not short for Brittany. Um, <laughs> and it's not Brett with an E. Uh, a lot of people call me Brett, you know, going to school, um, high school specifically, substitute teachers would call me Brett when they see my name. And, uh, it always annoyed me because it's like, that's an I it, it's not an E it's an I. Uh, so it's B R I T T, uh, not short for Brittany. And, uh, it's my great grandmother's last name. Uh, her name was Elizabeth Britt. So it's Irish. Oh, okay. So your great grandmother's on your dad's or mom's side? Uh, dad's dad's dad, dad sides. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. My, um, I had a, uh, um, my, my grandmother's side was, uh, John Scarlett Clark and my dad middle name, my dad's middle name was Clark and he wanted to name my, gave me my middle name of Scarlett after him. Uh, and my mom said, no, you can't do that. So I, (laughs) um, I became, uh, uh, Clark with the middle name and then my, Mitchell my son has Clark the middle name we'll see we'll see if and when he has kids what he'll choose and see if he has a fourth generation Clark as a middle name so uh yeah was, my my dad's brother is uh Thomas Casey the third and uh his son is Thomas Casey the fourth and he's married now they have a daughter uh so Thomas Casey the fifth is probably going to happen at some point so it's going to sound like he's going to start sounding like a french or british king (laughs) there you go that's right how many numbers can you put behind the name uh outstanding (laughs) well uh for the autobahn country club podcast that was Britt casey and uh i'm john graybill your host thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the autobahn country club podcast You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.